Yeah. We will see if we can get him in here. This John. John, how are you? It's James Lowe with iHeartRadio. How are you today? Good, good. Thanks for having me on. Yes, I am. Uh, me and Dan are excited as punch to be able to talk to you today, my friend. And uh, we are going to connect. We are going to connect Dan Perkins here to the uh, conversation. And we've got uh, an economics guest in this segment, John Tamney. He is the author of The End of Work: Why Your Passion Can Become Your Job. He's the editor of Real Clear Markets and director of the Center for Economic Freedom at Freedom Works. And uh, he joins us today here on the telephone or here on Skype audio and uh, check out the book it's available on Amazon and also check out his website johntamney.com or find him on Twitter at John Tamney now John uh, tell me and Dan here a little bit about your book the end of work why your passion can become your job talk to us all about it my friend well it's something I wrote for young people and also parents I want them to be optimistic about the way work is evolving, and it's evolving in a very positive way. Um, whereas it used to be that people would get up and look at, at Mondays with dread because they were going to have to do something that they didn't want to do, but they needed to make a living. More and more people get up and go to do a job that is a celebration of their talents. People can make a career out of their love of football today, out of their love of food, out of their love of wine, out of their love of video games, out of their love of shopping. This is a total departure from the past, and and, um, it needs to be talked about so that people uh, look excitedly about what's ahead. Now, Dan, uh, you, you you talk to us about uh, things like this all the time with the markets and some of the different things. Uh, right now, the May jobless rate is 3.8%. Uh, black, right. un- black unemployment record low. Wages are rising. Uh, this book is the perfect book for, for this time, don't, don't you think? Absolutely. I mean, it, it's, it is... Um, uh, I think it's fair to say... And I, and I think our guests would agree to uh, with me. <clears throat> the stuff that's happening today, according to the Democrats, would never happen again. And yet it's happening today. And it's, it shows what happens if you believe in free markets and, um, and open, open and free trade and free and fair markets um, is what made this country the place that millions upon millions upon millions of people wanted to come to legally. And so it's it, it, the the idea, you know, we, you talk about, I can't imagine why I'd want to do this. Maybe I should ask, where is our guest from? Um, I grew up in Los Angeles, California. Okay, but you, do you live there now? Uh, no, I live in Washington D.C. Okay, good. Okay, because I didn't, I didn't want to, I didn't want to bring the hammer on you. But um, there's a re- recent article that I've seen now three or four times, where New Hampshire, the state of New Hampshire, is offering people ten thousand dollars to move to New Hampshire for housing because they have so many unfilled jobs. Uh, we have places in the country where the unemployment rate is below two percent. And what's scary about that number and the national average of 3.8 is that we're only 15 months into the serious recovery. 
we got a lot of room to grow. In fact, Warren Buffett and Jamie Dimon both said this morning in an interview on CNBC, this economic recovery could last for, quote, years and years, end quote. So we're really just getting started. Well, no argument there. Let's remember that all an economy is is individuals, and that's what I stress in the book. And so one of the things I stress is that individuals do best when trade is totally free. And the reason for that is basic. When you can divide up work with a growing number of people around the world, what you can obviously do is specialize. And when you get to specialize your work, you get to do what you do best. And when you're doing what you're doing best, it's no longer work. Uh, what I'm describing is an effect of free trade. But let's add that robots and automation will be, play a huge role in this. They won't put us out of work as much as they'll enable us to fall in love with work. Because in erasing all the work that we didn't necessarily want to do, They'll allow us to specialize even further, and we're seeing this right now. Um, again, if you love football, you know, four decades ago, if you became a, a football coach, that was going to be a part-time job. Bill Belichick became a football coach, and he was a $25-a-week assistant. Nowadays, at Boise State alone, hardly a major conference school, the annual budget for assistant coaches alone is $2 million dollars. The average assistant pay in the SEC is 400000 But let's bring this down to a high school level. In the state of Georgia alone, there are 36 high school coaches, football coaches, who earn in the six figures. And so while in the past you kind of had to give up what you loved as a child growing up, nowadays you can make a career out of it. And that's true of sports, food, shopping, you name it. Very true, and you know it's 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 um, as the father of four boys, as they were each graduating from college um, with their degrees, I said to them, the only advice as your dad that I can give you: do what you enjoy; the money will come. Don't try and do what I've done, or your mother's done, or anybody else. Do what makes you feel good about yourself and and I really believe that you know you're 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 so right on the spot I've I've preached for a long time that one person can in fact make a difference and in a population of 320 million people people say I must be crazy because one person can't make a difference and I pointed out to Look at Jimmy Carter when he was president. One person made a difference. One person decided that the best years of America were behind it. We had to turn down our thermostats in the wintertime and turn them up in the summertime. Don't, up, up, don't put up those Christmas lights. We're not going light to light the national Christmas tree. The best years were behind us. And yet, the man who came under him, one person, Ronald Reagan, turned the entire psyche of the United States in a matter of weeks after he became president. And Barack Obama, when he was running for president, his, his initial campaign was about hope and change. And we had just seen the devastation of the financial crisis of 2008. One person made a change. 
and that was Barack Obama. He gave he gave the American people hope again. He didn't deliver, but he gave them hope. And then again, Donald Trump. He came in and said, "I want to make America great again." And he was one person who made that statement, and people began to glob onto him, and he became a very popular president and has done wonderful things for this economy. But one person, even in an economy of 320 million, can make a change. Uh, yes, they can. And what's important there is that the people who bring change and hope are the ones who get out of the way. Um, an economy is, again, a collection of individuals. When people are free to prosper, that's exactly what they do. And that's all I'm describing. Um, it's the progress that we're fearful of that's going to free us up to do what we love. You know, 150 years ago, it probably wasn't reasonable for parents to say, do what you're passionate about, because people grew up knowing exactly what they were going to do their whole lives. They were going to work six days a week on a farm. Whether they loved it or hated it, that's what they were going to do. And then these robots like fertilizer and the tractor and the backhoe came along. And they put more people out. They destroyed more jobs than any advances in the history of mankind. But as opposed to putting us into bread lines, they freed us up to direct our unique talents at curing disease, at creating the automobile, the airplane, the computer, Wi-Fi, all these advances. And so all this progress means is that people get to specialize. And so you get to tell your four kids, pursue what you love, and you get to do it reasonably because in today's world, what you are passionate about is a career. That wasn't true for your generation. It wasn't true for your parents. It is now, and that's what I'm talking about. Parents, do not worry about if your kids don't love school or if they seem disinterested. Only worry about if they lack a passion because if they have one, there's a job related to it. This is a modern concept, and it speaks to the genius of free enterprise that we all obviously support. Yeah, it's 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 true, and and and. Uh... But you, there are, perhaps you, you might, might not agree, but perhaps you will, there are some number of our society who don't want that freedom. They would much rather have the government make decisions for them, provide their food, housing, and uh, not have to worry about uh, energy enthusiasm and going the corporate ladder and getting a job and buying a house and cars and appliances and everything else. But there, there, is, there is still a... a, a a percentage of people who want the government to do for them. Um, I, I think you're right. Uh, here's where I would slightly disagree, and, and it's it's only a speculation. 150 years ago, I think I would have been one of those pathetic people because <laughs> the idea of spending six days a week on a farm when that has nothing to do with the skills that I think I was born with, imagine the misery. Imagine, I think I understand why a lot of people starve back then. Who would want to live in a world in which your only option for a living was to do something that you hated six days a week every day of your life? And so my take is, and it took me a long while to get to this, and who knows, I argue in the end of work that no one lacks work ethic. No one lacks intelligence. But a small economy suffocates work ethic, and it suffocates enormous amounts of intelligence. I used to think I was lazy until I got into writing, and then I found my passion. And it's nothing for me to work endless hours. It's nothing for me to work on weekends because I love what I do uncontrollably. And so 
I wrote this book also because I believe that no one's happy if they're not working hard. Someone can write them a check. Government can write us a check, but it cannot give us happiness. The only way you can be happy is if you're accomplishing something. And I believe that everyone has a talent within them. Just in the past, they couldn't showcase those talents in a remunerative fashion. More and more they can today, and, and this is crucial to overall happiness within society. This is, I think we're going to enter into a happier world simply because people will be working harder. Let me ask you a question. How do you feel about, as an economist, how do you feel about the Bernie Sanders program, program of universal free income? I think it's a disaster. Uh, for one, can you imagine politicians bidding against one another to see who could give us the highest income? So on its own, it's a really bad idea. You know, that it's going to be expensive is a statement of the obvious. Um, but the bigger thing is, is it's something that robs people of dignity. A government can give you a check, but it cannot give you happiness. Happiness comes from daily accomplishment. And so I do believe, though, that with all this automation, with all this economic advance that we're going to see and that we're seeing and we're going to continue to see, that more and more people, I strongly believe, are going to reject handouts from government because work is going to increasingly reflect what we're good at. We will have choice. There are quite literally people making lots of money today playing video games. It's become so lucrative that there are now video game coaches. There are people who literally make a living by going shopping and posting what they purchased online. They're called influencers. Mm -hmm. I think the future of work is going to get so good that people like Bernie Sanders won't be just a joke line to the three of us. They'll be a joke line to everyone because who on earth would not want to work when the opportunities are so amazing? Well, I, I think that there is, there is, there is a group of people who have been um, dependent upon the government for so many generations that it will become very difficult for them to develop a work ethic to go back to work and hold a real job. And, and the idea of a universal income and free health care would be extremely attractive. It may not be tens of millions of people, but it, there, there, there are some elements in a 320 million population that would 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 want that and 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 would desire that, um, but I, I I agree with you. I, I, it's it's amazing, you know. Um, as an economist, uh, I uh, I'm I'm a amateur economist. I've only been managing money for forty five years, and um, and I I looked at the the universal income, and I saw the study that was done, and. Uh, they, the, the people who published the study talked about that it, would, it wouldn't cost the government anything. <laughs> but when you, when you dig into their analysis, they say, but we'd have to issue $270 billion worth of debt to fund the program. So it may not be costing the government as a budget item except for increased interest, but there's the idea that there is no free lunch is 
something that a lot of people on the left don't understand. Why can't lunch always be free? Why can't we pay people to not to work? Why We pay farmers not to grow crops. Why can't we pay people not to work? Oh, I, I think there's no doubt that's what they want to do. And, and, and I think you're right. Look, there are always going to be people who are perhaps afraid to put themselves out there such that they'd rather take a check or a handout. I just do believe that we're on the verge of something different, that, that jobs are going to become so interesting, that there'll be such an extension of what's unique about us as individuals that more and more people will shed the shackles, the burden that is government, and say, you know what, um, I like being happy too much to take a check from, from you, to take to be a burden on someone else. That's, that's my hope. Um, um, again, I, we'll never know, but I think I would have been pretty pathetic 150 years ago, but I was lucky enough to be born at a time in which um, I'm able to do something that I enjoy for a living. Um, think about what future generations will get to do. If people are literally making a living playing video games today, Imagine what your kids' grandchildren will be getting to do for work. It, it, for all of us talking today, it will stagger us for the uniqueness of it, for what people get to do to express their and, – and I hope that pulls more and more people away from the burden um, from, from, you know, uh, what holds us down, and that's invariably a government handouts. Yeah. Uh, how much time do we have, Jim? Uh, we've got a little bit of time left. We're uh, speaking here with a fantastic, fantastic guest. The end of work when your passion can become your job. John Tamney with us today and uh, Dan Perkins with us as well. Dan, uh, you've got time for probably, I don't know, one or two more questions, my friend. Then okay. we, we got to let him go. I'm, for the I'm, day. I'm really fascinated to, under, to hear what, this, what John has to say about Mr. Trump and free trade. Uh, well, uh, Dan, I think we're on the same page here. Um, I think free trade is elemental. It doesn't matter what the other countries do. The liberalized country is the one that's opened the world's plenty is always the winner. Donald Trump talks about how he wants equal tariffs among countries. But look at Hong Kong. Hong Kong has no tariffs, nothing at all. It is open to the world's plenty, even though there are barriers to production in Hong Kong around the world. Naturally, it's the richest part of the world as a result. And why is that? Individuals comprise an economy, and individuals are much better off. They're able to attain more wealth the more that they have the whole world competing to serve their needs. Mm -hmm. Let's also remember that with or without tariffs, the simple truth is the division of labor is what elevates us. We're not good at everything, and so when we can divide up work with the whole world, we get to focus on what we do best. And when we're doing what we do best, it's not nearly as much work. We're much more productive. And so I think it's very disappointing. I think there are good things from President Trump, but I think a major error on his part is putting up barriers to foreign goods or even talking about it. We don't need to. We're better off. We're a rich country precisely because our tariffs are so low. Let's not be like other countries that are not as rich as we are. To be like them, we will weaken ourselves, make us poorer. Well, maybe maybe we found something where we might disagree. Um, I happen to believe, for example, before China 
was admitted to the World Trade Organization and received most favored nation status, it accounted for 13% of the world's steel production. It now accounts for 43% of the world's steel production. And the United States is not the only country in the world who has seen their steel industry decline because China supported the China steel industry supported by the government dumped steel on these various markets purposely to try and drive steel companies out of business and in in the United States they succeeded very well what what I think is and and if I heard recently one of the ministers from England say it doesn't make any sense that we we export an automobile made in in England to across the, the 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 English Channel, and our British manufacturing companies have to pay a ten percent tariff. But yet, when we let BMW bring their cars into the UK, we only charge a two percent tariff. So UK cars are more expensive to buy in Europe because of the increase of eight, four times, five times the tariff on a UK car. That's not fair trade. It's, but wait, 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 wait. But wait a second. We are a nation of 330 million individuals. If, if some if people around the world want to give us something cheaply, sell us something cheaply, why did 21,000 steel workers get to basically be subsidized by us? Why would we put up barriers to that? We are an economy of individuals. As well, individuals, we're much better off. The fact that China's grown, look, Amazon used to have very little retail sales. Uh, now it has a lot more in the way of retail sales. Should we put up barriers to it? I mean, would, would you not buy from Amazon just because it was based in Shanghai? I mean, that wouldn't bother me. I buy from Amazon because it, Amazon makes my life better. Uh, if I'm, Apple's I'm, I'm iPhones... I, yeah, the iPhones are being made in, in, in China. No, my, my point they're, they're is... Being, they're being designed here, but let's remember, I, why, why just because... We want to. Pro- I don't want to prop up businesses in the United States at that, at, so that I have to. My paycheck doesn't stretch as far. Why do three hundred thirty million million Americans owe their living to the steel industry? I, I, I don't get that. Well, I guess my my it, my point is not that it not that it's uh, three hundred thirty million owe the steel industry anything. The point is that that if the United States as of as a a series of companies decide that they would like to manufacture steel and they would like to try and develop an export market for steel then in that export market they would like to be able to be treated free and fairly if they're if they're disadvantaged because a government places exorbitant tariffs on what they want to ship from the United States then it's not fair trade, and that's what Mr. Trump is but saying. Uh, it's it's not supposed to be fair. I, it's not. It's what's what's fair to me is that I get steel as cheaply as possible. If China wants to injure its citizens by putting up tariffs on foreign goods, that's its choice. Why should we mimic what plainly injures every single Chinese individual? See, we're the richest country precisely because our average tariff on foreign goods is one one point four percent. 
why would we injure every single American by copying the Chinese? We're the richest country on earth. Their wealth is a fraction of ours. Mm -hmm. I, I don't want to imitate them. Well, I guess what I'm saying is that, that I think that there are, that we would like to be able to ship stuff to China. And, and, to and we do. And, and, but not, not nearly as much as we could if, we didn't, if China didn't have the punitive tariffs on the imports of American goods. Okay, so it's, it's injuring its people. But let's be clear, Apple's the most valuable company in the world. 20% of its iPhone sales are in China. Uh, mm -hmm. Nike is one of the most valuable companies in the world. Uh, China is its second largest market. GM sold more cars in China in the first quarter than it sold in all of North America. Um, there are more Starbucks in Shanghai, double the number than there are in New York City. This notion that China has closed itself off to American goods is defied by the sales uh, receipts of, of our greatest companies, and it's defied by a visit to China where you see American brands everywhere. So we want to start a war with what has the potential to be the biggest market in the history of the world for U.S. companies. Um, and isn't any surprise that in response to the to, to talk of trade war, that U.S. shares have trended downward. Well, of course, they're priced to some degree based on the idea that China is going to grow and grow and going to be a massive market for U.S. companies. Why would we shut that off? I don't understand that. I, I don't see where we're helped by mimicking the errors of other countries. But, but what's interesting about China is that China, for example, uh, for the longest time, for decades, if you wanted to, if you wanted to build a manufacturing plant in China, you were an American manufacturer, and you wanted to build a plant in China. You could only do it if you were a minority shareholder, and in many cases, you had to turn over to China your intellectual property for the manufacturing. That that penalty, that requirement of of joint venture with ownership being dominated by the Chinese joint venture partner, has in many cases disappeared solely because of the discussions and what's happened with Mr. Trump. And so what we're doing is that we're, we're pressuring China to lift some of their restrictions, which allows American companies to come into the Chinese market as either a distribution force or a manufacturing force that they don't have to give up many things that they used to under. But under see, I, I, don't, I don't want government involved in industry. I want it to stay out, and I'll just point out that over the last 25-plus years, U.S. industry has invested $250 billion in China. This notion that, 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 that all these U.S. companies were being raped by the Chinese during that time is belied by the massive inflow of investment from U.S. corporations. I don't want Donald Trump involved in commerce. That, that's my thing. Markets were much happier when he was doing nothing. Notice how they started to correct when he started to threaten the Chinese like this. But when, when I think the U.S. companies know how to protect themselves just fine. What we've seen, however, throughout history is when government, Republicans or Democrats, get involved in commerce, they mess up what would otherwise be fine. I don't trust Donald Trump. I don't trust Barack Obama. I don't trust George W. Bush. I don't trust Ronald Reagan. I want them to leave business alone. That's going to be a tough one to do when you got Democrats around. Uh, true, but and so what a shame that we have people on our side doing this. I think that uh, um, you know Phil Knight is a pretty smart guy. He's been investing in China for decades. Um, he doesn't need Donald Trump getting in the way of what he's doing. 
Mm. That's true. That's true. Well, this is uh, this has been a heck of a discussion today. We've got a uh, great guest with us today, John Damney. And uh, John, before we let you go, how do we find you online, my friend? Oh, you can uh, John Tamney anywhere. JohnTamney.com. You can find me at Real Clear Markets. Um, if you go on Amazon, you can find my newest book that we talked about today, The End of Work. Um, there's also Popular Economics. Who needs the Fed? Um, you can find me at Forbes.com. All over the place. And uh, Dan, before we let you go, my friend, because we've got Richard Kurtz on the line waiting uh, patiently. H- how do we find you and all your efforts, my friend? Uh, the best place is danperkins.guru. You can see all my books, the foundation, and all my commentaries from all the places I write. It's all in one place. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you, guys. It's been an interesting discussion, and uh, we definitely will have to do this again. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Excellent. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. There goes Dan Perkins and John Tamney. We are going to take a quick, quick break here, and uh, we'll get Richard Kurtz on the line here in just a few seconds. 